This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. It's more money with leading economist Steve Moore. Stephen Moore is with us, economist. With more than 30 years' experience as an economist and as a leading thinker of government on business, showing deep understanding of the shifts in the global economy. He's leading economist Steve Moore with more money on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's your host, Steve Moore. Welcome, folks. This is the More Money Show. I'm economist. Steve Moore. This is WABC Talk Radio. Thank you so much for joining me this afternoon. This is one of my favorite days of the year, the day before Christmas, Christmas Eve. I hope everyone is having a wonderful Christmas season, and I hope everybody has loved ones around them, uh, because this is a time to just hug the people that you love. Um, I am in Chicago, where it is well, let me put it like this. Baby, it is cold outside. It's negative four degrees here, uh, but it's a white Christmas. Uh, and so I hope it's a little bit warmer where you are, but it's pretty much cold all over these great United States of America. Well, I wanted to open up the show uh, by talking, and I know it's Christmas Eve, but I just have to say this, that uh, what happened this past week in Washington was an abomination. An abomination. It's just disgusting the way that our Congress acted in passing another $2 trillion spending bill that we can't afford. And I've said so many times on this show over the last two years that uh, Nancy Pelosi and Chucky Schumer and Joe Biden are out of control with respect to the $4 trillion that they added the budget in the last two years. But this bill that passed what they call an omnibus bill. I call it omnibusted because it's busting our country with even more debt. Big, big increases. Here's what happened, folks. The Republicans want to spend more money on the military. The Democrats want to spend more money on um, social programs. So they get behind closed doors, Pelosi and, uh, you know, um, the uh, leaders of the um, Senate, including Mitch McConnell and Chucky Schumer, uh, and what they do is they say, OK, you want more money for de- defense and you want more money for social programs. So let's compromise. Everybody gets what they want. So we massively inflated. We did 8 percent increases in social programs, 10 percent increases in defense. Uh, meanwhile, who's paying the bill? You and I and all the taxpayers of this country who work in the private sector. And this is the biggest abomination because. The government is spending all of this money it doesn't have. It's running up the credit card of the United States in a way that's never happened before in our history. And we're just sitting here, you know, whistling Dixie, acting as if we could just do this year after year after year. Now, to listen to the Republicans say, oh, we needed to do this for our national security. Now, look, there's nobody who wants a strong defense. And uh, obviously, the most important function of our government is to keep us safe from 
uh, those who would want those foreigners who would want to do damage to our country. But come on, the biggest threat to our country right now, and I wonder how many of you agree with me on this, the biggest threat to our country right now is not Russia, it's not Putin. I mean, he's a terrible person. He's a horrible person. He's a murderer. But the greatest threat to our country is what we are doing to ourselves. We're spending and borrowing at a level that's almost unprecedented in the history of the world. And countries who have done, that have done what we're doing have crashed and burned. This story that I'm telling you of a $32 trillion national debt that gets higher by a trillion or $2 trillion more every year, that's a story that never has a happy ending. If I'm wrong, you know, tell me. Tell me a country that got rich by borrowing and borrowing and borrowing and borrowing and borrowing and writing up its credit card. No, this story always has an unhappy ending. Look at what's happened in Uruguay. Look at what's happened in Mexico. Look at what happened in Argentina, Venezuela, Zimbabwe, Greece. Every country that has tried to do this has crashed. It's what's ruined some of the great empires of our civilization is spending beyond the means of the country and going into debt. And most great empires, uh, not all of them, but most great empires are not destroyed from without, but from within. And so I am very nervous about this, and I am angry as a hornet at what the Republicans did here. Look, Democrats go out and tell People, oh, we're going to spend money. We're going to have all these social programs. And Republicans go out and campaign. They say, we're going to be for fiscal responsibility. We're going to balance the budget. We're going to get rid of the waste in government. No, they're not. That's not what they've done here. They're giving big, big, massive increases in spending almost across the board. We know that 300 to 400 billion, billion, not million, was stolen from the unemployment insurance program, from the PPP program, from the Medicaid program from the Medicare program, uh, from the food stamp program. All these countries, uh, companies, I mean, uh, agencies have massive amounts of fraud that, that are 10 times higher than the fraud rates of private sector programs. And we keep dumping money into them, even what's happened in Ukraine. Now, look, everybody is in favor. I mean, most everyone is in favor of defeating Russia. And, and we all have our hopes and prayers and our money behind the Ukrainians who are fighting for their independence and their freedom. But we just write all of these checks to them. Folks, we don't know what happened to the last $50 billion we gave them. They can't account for it. There's no accounting. We don't even know how much of that money even got to Ukraine. So I'm sorry to think that just, oh, giving them more and more and more money is going to solve the problem. No. Now, you know what, by the way, you know what would help a huge deal and probably help bankrupt this evil Russian war machine, if we produce more oil and gas here in the United States, every time we produce more and more oil here, it leads to problems in Russia. They are, they've been laughing at us. Putin is laughing at Joe Biden for shutting down our pipeline, shutting down our natural gas production, regulating these things out of existence, not allowing drilling, not allowing us to use our coal, not allowing us to use our oil. We could be exporting our oil and gas to the Western Europeans who then wouldn't have to buy the oil and gas from Russia, who then wouldn't have money to be invading these other countries. So 
that would not cost the United States taxpayer a dime, what I'm suggesting. In fact, it would raise money for the government. Think of all the royalties we could get from the drilling. Think of all the taxes we could collect. Think of all the jobs that are created when we produce energy here at home. They say, oh, no, 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 we can't produce oil and gas here at home. We have to worry about climate change. Do you think that anything that uh, Putin is doing, do you think he has clean energy? Do you think that Putin or China cares about climate change? Of course they don't. They're trying to take over the world while we are shutting down our energy capacity. So, yeah, I'm a little I'm a little angry today. I, I'm disappointed, too. I'm severely disappointed with the Republicans. They keep saying they're going to do something about the spending spree. And the first thing they do is add billions and billions and billions of dollars of pork barrel spending. You know this because you're a smart audience. I know that I've got the smart. I always brag to my friends in the media. I've got the smartest audience in America. So you know this. But, you know, there's half a billion dollars in this budget for border security. But guess what? Not American border, not border security on our southern border, border security in the Middle East, border security in African countries and other countries. I mean, is that the stupidest thing you've ever heard? We've got, you know, all of these illegal immigrants coming to our country, drug runners, terrorists, criminals. Uh, You know, by the way, I'm very pro-immigrant, but I want immigrants to come in the right way. I want them to come in through legal channels, not to escape over our border at night. We don't know who they are and what kind of weapons they have and what they want to do to our country. Um, that's just one little example. I mean, they've got so much money. LGBTQ programs, uh, billions of dollars for this. Look, I don't care who's sleeping with who. I don't care what anybody's sexual orientation is. It's all fine with me. I'm pretty libertarian. But I don't want to pay for all of this stuff with my tax dollars. Do you? Do you? Why can't the LGBTQ build their own statues and have their own museums and all of these things? Why do why do we as taxpayers have to pay for all of these things? By the way, where is the where is the museum for straight Americans? <laughs> I don't think we have one in America. So um, the spending is going to lead us down a very perilous path. We see that interest rates are going up because of what the Fed's doing. Every time the interest rates go up by a uh, one percentage point that adds another trillion dollars to our debt, folks. Do you get a feeling like we're a tiger trying to chase its tail? We're not making any progress here. This isn't something. I love how they they say, "Oh, we celebrate this. It's going to help Ukraine." No, it's not. This is going to bankrupt America. It's going to bankrupt our great country of ours, and our children, and our children's children, and our children's children's children will will um, pay the price for what we're doing today. So I'm uh, I'm upset about that. I'm excited about Christmas. I do think 2023 is going to be a much better year than 2022. So I'm excited about the future, but shame on these politicians. And I want to just do a shout out to my friend, Rand Paul, who's the one guy in Congress who's trying to do something about this absurd out of control budget. That's my monologue for today. I'll step off my uh, soapbox right now, but I had to get that off my chest. It's the day before Christmas, a very holy day for this great country of ours. I'll be right back. You're listening to Steve Moore. This is the More Money Show on WABC Talk Radio. This is More Money with economist Steve Moore. Now, Steve Moore. Welcome back, folks. This is the More Money Show on the day before Christmas. I hope everyone has a wonderful, happy, and holy and jolly uh, holiday season. And we're getting started with it by talking about 
money and your finances and how much money you can make next year. So we have two in the best, two of the best in the business. Uh, as usual, uh, we have Bob and Ryan Payne of Payne Capital Management. Gentlemen, happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Hey, Merry, Merry Christmas, Christmas Steve. Happy holidays, Steve. So, happy New Year. Uh, happy prosperous yeah, New Year. You too. I think we're all looking for a better 2023 than 2022. Let's just do a quick, I don't want to depress people <laughs> the day before Christmas, <laughs> but uh, give us a sense of what you think happened and why it happened with the stock market uh, in 2022. Well, let's face it. Um, we just had three years. I mean, I, I was just looking back at projections that a lot of strategists made for 2022 this time last year. And right. remember, this time last year was the third year in a row we had double-digit gains. Like last right. year, the S&P was up 27%. Wow. So this year we were due for a correction, Steve. And, right. And the thing is, if you are diversified in a proper portfolio, you know, the pain wasn't that great this year. I mean, if you had too much money in growth, then you suffered because those, those stocks were selling a high valuation. You had inflation. Interest rates went up. And basically, the price-earnings ratios went down. So, Ryan, what is your assessment of what happened in 2022? Yeah. Well, the markets were definitely cruel this year, Steve. Um, yeah. And we had, if you look at the 87% of the trading days, the market moved 1% or more, which is a lot of volatility. Wow. In fact, the last time we saw volatility like that was 2008 during the great financial crisis. Ah, uh-huh, yeah. You know, but to, so, so, I mean, definitely as an investor this year, um, you felt the, the wild ride of the markets. But I think, you know, to Bob's point, the key this year was being diversified. Like if you look at a diversified portfolio where you had value exposure, you had commodity exposure in your portfolio, just to reiterate what Bob said. I mean, we, we really weren't down, you know, maybe close to 10 or less than 10% for the year. Whereas the NASDAQ, as we know, is down over 30% for the year. So it was really about making sure your money wasn't over-concentrated in the wrong areas. And I think a lot of investors this year made that mistake. They had too much money in tech. And now they're feeling that pain, no pun intended, given our last name is pain. When it comes to these technology stocks, which, as you said, really got clobbered this year, um, should people try to uh, catch the falling knife? Or what is your view of the big tech companies that really took a hammering this past year? Well, here's the issue. And this is something that we've all been through before, right? We went through it in 2000, uh, where we saw, you know, tech stocks get very overvalued. Oh, yeah. I remember Um, that. And we had a big correction the next year. And then it took 15 years, Steve, for people to break even on those stocks. So I think it's kind of a repeat of what we, we saw in that whole tech cycle is you stocks that got really ridiculously overvalued. They're not even down to fair value now. So I would not be someone who's chasing tech stocks here trying to catch a falling knife. There's plenty of other opportunities in the market to be invested. And uh, if you just have to look at past cycles to really educate yourself about the opportunities that are there. So our callers on this show in the last uh, several weeks have, have sounded very confused, as I am, about so what is the best investment strategy going forward. We saw, uh, you know, pre-Christmas a, a big sell-off, and there is a lot of worry among top economists that we may be headed to a recession. I, I still believe that we could get around a recession, but nobody's predicting a lot of robust growth. Even the Fed is yeah. saying less than one percent growth. So, what? Uh, now, Ryan, you and I have uh, talked on Fox Business News about this. Uh, y- you are basically saying, if I understand correctly, that this sur- sort of recession, slow growth, is already kind of um, capitalized into the stocks. Uh, so 
can you explain what you mean to my listeners? Yeah, no, no, that, that's a great point. So like this last week, we saw FedEx. FedEx came out with horrible earnings and revenue this past week, but it was better than what anticipate, was anticipated on Wall Street. So the stock actually went up. Uh, Nike was another great example of that. They, you know, their, their numbers were okay, but they beat expectations. And you got to remember, right. when you think about the stock markets looking out into the future, and what's happening is we already know there's going to be slow growth next year, right? Unless you're living under a rock, <laughs> we know right. that's right. the case. So guess what? The stock market knows it too, um, right. and the stock market's already readjusted to that. So I think you know what you want to think about for next year is I'd say you want a global portfolio because you know the one catalyst that's going to benefit every economy around the world, and no one's talking enough about this, is China's going to reopen. You know, they're going to get away from that zero COVID policy, and that's the second largest economy in the world. And guess what? They like to consume things in China just like we'd like here in the U.S. Right. So, you know, from that perspective, I think that could be a huge catalyst next year. And, and in every economy, not just the U.S. benefits from that. If you're in Germany, you're going to sell a lot more cars. If you're in Indonesia, if you're in Vietnam, you're going to get all those Chinese tourists. So the world's just chomping at the bit. Uh, for China to open up next year. And that could, you know, again, you can see a lot of earnings surprises in the positive because a lot of businesses benefit from an open China. So, Bob, this is a good time to be invested? Yeah, it is, Steve, because, first of all, we had one of the nice things that happened last year is we had a horrible year in bonds. Now, why is that a nice thing? Well, it's a nice thing because rates are higher now, and you're able to get a good return on your hard-earned money. So, you know, when you have a portfolio, you just can't think stock, stock, stocks, right? right. You want to have a diversified right. portfolio. You need bonds. Because bonds give you that counterbalance to help you keep it balanced, keep you invested, give you income, and also give you money to invest when, when stocks are down. So I think there's a lot of opportunities both in the bond market and also you got to start looking outside the country now. We have, you know, yields that are twice as – dividend yields are twice as what we have in the U.S. We have comp countries that where companies are selling at price-earnings ratios that are 40 50% less than what you have to pay up for in a U.S. stock. And remember, all markets are cyclical, Steve. So, you know, all markets revert to the mean. You know, you, you uh -huh. can't have, you know, nothing grows to the trees. You want to buy low. That's, that's the thing we were all taught when we first started investing. A lot of places to buy low right now. I'm talking to Bob and Ryan Payne, two of the best in the business at Payne Capital Management. Uh, Ryan, explain, uh, uh, remind the listeners how they can get the consultation services of, uh, of your uh, company. Yep, if you saved over a million dollars for your retirement plan, uh, you can call or text us at 844-752-6692. That's 844-752-6692. We leave 10 slots open during the show if you call or text right now at 844-752-6692. Steve. We have uh, two minutes left, so uh, give us some cheerful news <laughs> the day before <laughs> Christmas about why you think that, uh, you know, this is a good time to be invested. Why do you think that uh, this is a good time to be a, an American? Hey, it's always a good time to be an American, Steve, no matter what they tell you. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, it's still the greatest country Great. in the world. Yes. Not that I'm biased or anything. But, no, I think, look, bottom line is I think next year is the year of relief. Uh, this year we saw the Fed ratchet up interest rates a lot, right? We saw mortgage rates go up. Um, you know, we've really seen a lot of damage already done in the economy that was trying to slow down a red hot economy. But next year, right. we're already seeing it on the ground floor. Commodity prices are coming down, right? Oil's right. come down precipitously. Um, if you look at the housing market, it's already softened. So, you know, there's a good chance next year the Fed's going to pivot. They're going to stop raising interest rates. And in the meantime, right. we got a robust job market. People have right. jobs, which is a great thing. Wages are going up. 
Um, yep. So I think it's, it's hard not to be optimistic going next year. And I think you and I have been in the same camp here. It's like these economists and strategists have just been a little too negative, And they're usually wrong. But I digress. Yeah. Well, they, they've predicted, you know, uh, 10 of the last four recessions. So you're exactly right. Pretty good track record. Okay, so we've got one minute left. Uh, continue to cheer us up on this, this great, wonderful Christmas Eve. You know, Steve, I'm not an economist, but I am an historian. And as I look at the history of the, of the, of the stock market, over the last 100 years, 75% of those years, the market was positive. So that means one out of every four years, you're going to have a stinker. You're going to have a down year. I think we had our stinker. I'm looking forward to an up year next year. I love history. It doesn't often repeat, but it does often rhyme. I'm looking for an up year next year. Everybody should invest accordingly. Words to live by. Gentlemen, I hope you have a very wonderful, happy, and holy uh, Christmas. And I'll be talking to you next week. Uh, This is WABC Talk Radio. This is the More Money Show, and we'll be right back. Yeah, and if you're thinking to yourself right now, you need to get your portfolio positioned for next year. You need to get your retirement plan fixed today. Well, we keep 10 slots open throughout the whole show. If you saved over a million dollars for your retirement plan, all you need to do is call or text, and Bob and I will run for you our famous total financial master plan. We'll do that with no obligation or cost. It's a full holistic review. We've literally been doing this for years where we go through everything for you at no cost. There's no other firm out there that will do this work up front. We're going to build you your own personalized financial portal. We're going to hone in on every single financial issue that you have today that has to be addressed. Do you have an income plan for retirement? How are you going to draw from your portfolio? Take Social Security and not run out of money. Factoring in inflation, your cost is going to double over the next 20 years just because of inflation. We're going to look at diversification. Was it a hard year in the stock market? Did your portfolio sell more than you thought? Were you taking more risk than you thought you were? Or have you been sitting in cash Paralysis by analysis, while we sit at 40-year high inflation, you know you need to do something. We're going to put together a full investment game plan, show you how to grow your money, but most importantly, protect it over the rest of your life, and then align that with your goals. And we're going to look at fees and taxes. Wall Street just loves to sell you high-cost products that have high fees and are very tax inefficient. Those annuities, mutual funds, brokerage products, insurance products, we go through every investment you have, do a deep dive, show you where all the hidden costs are should reduce that cost and optimize your portfolio for taxes. It's not what you make, it's what you take. You're going to get our full tax playbook. We have 10 slots. If you save over a million dollars for your retirement plan, if you call or text right now. All you have to do is text or call 844-752-6692. That's 844-752-6692. Or just simply call 844-PLAN-NYC. That's 844-PLAN-NYC. If you're one of our next 10 callers, you've saved over a million dollars for your retirement, our team of financial advisors and certified financial planners will help you to create your own unique total financial plan. Now, there's no obligation, there's no cost, no strings attached, but you won't have a plan if you're not one of our next 10 callers at 844-752-6692. That's 844-752-6692, or just simply call 844-PLAN-NYC. That's 844-PLAN-NYC. So, Bob, you know, at our firm, Payne Capital Management, of course, that's P-A-Y-N-E. At our uh, boutique firm, you know, all we do is financial planning, right? That's all we think about. That's what we eat, sleep, dream, probably almost every night. So I thought we could talk today a little bit about, since, you know, it's, with the holidays here, we got Christmas in two days. Um, you know, Santa Claus, is, as we know, he checks his list. He's checking it twice. And I thought we could say, let me say it again. Sorry, guys. Yeah. 
I thought this would be a good time to evaluate if your financial planner or financial advisor has been naughty or nice this year. You know, Ryan, I had a nice conversation with um, a client of mine the other day. <clears throat> he just joined a, a club, and he said, I can't believe how many people are in your business, Bob. And I said, yeah, well, that's great because it's real easy, you know, to end up as a financial advisor. You can hold a shingle out, and you can call yourself a financial advisor. And they all come in different shapes and sizes, right? They're not all created equal. <laughs> and if they're not certified financial planners, they're usually, you know, product investment, product salespeople, not financial planners. Well, it's one of the dirty secrets of our industry, right? Is if you hold yourself out there as a financial planner, you don't necessarily have to have any sort of designation. You could be an insurance salesman, but all of a sudden you advise people on their financial planning. And what that means to me is, Bob, I'm going to sell you insurance and that's going to solve all your financial planning needs. Um, so you do have to be careful. And you know, at our firm, we do have certified financial planners or CFPs. And that's something you probably want to evaluate to see essentially what kind of advisor do you have? You know, are they giving you advice because they're trying to sell you a product and they get paid on that product? Um, or if they're a fiduciary where essentially they get paid for the advice that they're actually giving or liable for it. Um, and, you know, the other big designation to have that CFP, the Certified Financial Planning License, I would say that's the one that I would put something nice in their stocking this year as opposed to coal because typically – you know, that's a higher level of planning. And, you know, you really want to make sure what designations that your advisor has are the ones that are aligned with your interest. Yeah, I mean, there's 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 a lot of complexity when it comes to your financial plan. There are a lot of rules that change uh, that, that come and go every year. And the one thing you want to be certain of, and I, I don't want to take it too, too, take too lightly on that issue, Rye, about being a fiduciary versus being a financial advisor or a registered representative, um, you know, I just spoke with a new client the other day and they said, you know, I was always reticent to work with people in the industry because I didn't think that anyone would work in my best interest. And he was right, because unless you're a fiduciary, you're not obligated, believe it or not, to work in the client's best interest. So I think the best way to check to see if your financial advisor has been naughty or nice, take a look at your portfolio and ask them, let me see a copy of yours. Um, and if somehow the portfolio strategy and the investments are totally different. My guess is you're not working with a fiduciary. Yeah. What if your advisor says to you, you're not paying any fees and you look at your portfolio, you don't see any fees coming out of the account. Is this too good to be true? Is your financial well, advisor working for free? Well, last I checked, right, no one works for free and there is no free lunch, especially on Wall Street. Um, you know, I've never seen people from Wall Street who don't drive a nice car, live in a nice house. Matter of fact, I was out in the Hamptons, you know, visiting some family this summer, and I didn't see any of the clients out there. I saw a lot of Wall Street people out there. However, <laughs> I digress. But, yeah, you know, well, when you have someone who doesn't have any fees, chances are you're paying more than most. That's right, because a lot of times the fees are hidden. Um, I love this when I hear someone got an annuity, and they're saying, well, there's no fees involved in the annuity. Oh, believe me, there are fees. Um, and they're usually hidden. And it's really important to understand that, you know, and this is when we do our financial analysis for our clients and, and potential clients is we always look through and we don't just look at the fees that you can see on the statement, but we go through every investment because a lot of these annuities could cost you in some cases we've seen three, 4% a year. You don't see those fees coming out, but they are coming out. And think about that over a lifetime, that could be hundreds of thousands of dollars going into a financial institution's pockets, not going into your pocket. So you really need to know and you need to have a real clear understanding of what you're paying. It's such a, such an important point, and most of us have no idea what we're paying on our portfolios.
You know, Ryan, I find it amusing that, uh, you know, the mutual fund industry actually has a sense of humor. Uh, when they put mutual funds in your portfolio, they actually have different class shares, right? They have A shares and B shares and C shares and D shares, you know, when um, and I shares, right? So when you were in college, you know, the best grade you could get with an A, you certainly didn't want to get an I, an incomplete, you didn't want to get a C. Um, and that's the way it works with a mutual fund. If you have an A, you have the lowest fee. If a B, you're paying a lot more fees. C, you're paying a lot of fees. C, D, you're paying an extraordinary amount of fees. So they actually rate how much you're paying without telling you. They just put a letter against it. You know, So it just shows you they have a sense of humor. Well, hey, at least they have a sense of humor when they're taking your money. So something you've got to be aware of. So, Bob, let's say your advisor calls you every quarter, checks in on you personally, reviews your portfolio proactively, discusses financial issues outside the realm of just your portfolio. For example, maybe your advisor called you to refinance your mortgage when rates were much lower, and now you're saving a couple thousand dollars a month. Would you say that that is a naughty or a nice financial planner? Well, that sounds like one of the nice financial advisors, certified financial planners here at Payne Capital Management. When you have someone who actually does their job in terms of planning, is not only you know puts together a plan, but you know with planning right, something that doesn't start and end with a document or an online. Uh, portfolio evaluation. It's a plan and it's real and it's living and something has to be updated all the time. And, you know, you need to have a relationship with your advisor, not just someone who tells you what to do, but discusses how to do it. Yeah, that's huge. And that's something you want to evaluate as you're going into next year is, are you proactively hearing from your advisor? You know, are they coming to you with different solutions and ideas for what you should be doing from a tax perspective, right? doing from a financial planning perspective? And are you updating your goals every 12 months? I mean, that's another thing is your life's changing all the time. You've got to make sure, make sure your financial plan's keeping up with it. You know, the one thing I, my biggest pet peeve about our industry is that set it and forget it. You sit down with a planner once, they put together a strategy, they put together all your goals in a big, you know, blue binder and you think you're set and they never review it again. So I think now's a really good time to start reevaluating and make sure that you're updating your goals, you're updating your financial plan, because odds are your life's changed a lot in the last 10, 20 years. Just a wild guess. Hey, Ryan, you know, the one thing you got to ask yourself is, do I have an advisor where when I did my first plan, when I opened my account, was it the day the earth stood still? Has <laughs> everything changed around me except my portfolio and my advisor not calling me? If that's the case, time to get another opinion. Yeah, and if you're thinking to yourself right now, the earth has stood still with my financial portfolio, my financial plan. I need to really get on top of this stuff. Well, here's your shot to do it. We still have six sl slots left. We're going to keep them open for the whole show. If you call or text right now, Bob and I will run for you our total financial master plan. We'll do it with no obligation or costs. It's our famous review where we actually look at everything. There's no other firm out there that will do this work up front. We literally go as far as building you your own personalized financial portal so you can get a bird's eye view of your entire financial life. And we're just going to hone in and address on every issue that you need to address today. We're going to look at an income plan. You need an income plan for retirement, whether you're close to retirement or you're retired now. How are you going to draw from your portfolios? How do you take Social Security? Well, we're going to put together a full plan to do that without running out of money and factoring in inflation your costs are going to double over the next 20 years just because of inflation. We're going to look at diversification. Did you get hit hard this year? Markets were extremely volatile. Were you taking more risk than you thought you were taking? Or have you been sitting with way too much money in cash, earning nothing on a savings account while inflation is still at a 40-year high? We're going to put together a full diversified investment portfolio strategy for you, show you how to grow your money, but most importantly, protect it 
over the rest of your life, align it with your goals. And we're going to look at fees and taxes. Wall Street just loves to sell you high cost products that you don't see the fees and those annuities, insurance products, mutual funds, brokerage products. Well, we're going to break down every investment you own. We're going to show you where every hidden cost is, how to reduce that cost and optimize your portfolio for taxes. It's not what you make. It's what you take. We're going to give you our full tax playbook to make sure you're only paying to the government what you should be paying to the government. So if you call or text right now and you've saved over a million dollars for your retirement plan, we have six slots left if you call or text us right now. All you have to do is text or call 844-752-6692. That's 844-752-6692. Or just simply call 844-PLAN-NYC. That's 844-PLAN-NYC. If you're one of our next six callers, you've saved over a million dollars for your retirement. Our team of financial advisors and certified financial planners will help you to create your own unique total financial master plan. Now, there's no obligation. There's no cost but you won't have a plan if you don't text or call 844-752-6692. That's 844-752-6692. Or just simply call 844-PLAN-NYC. That's 844-PLAN-NYC. Hey, if you want to learn more about myself and Bob and our firm, Payne Capital Management, of course, that's P-A-Y-N-E. It's our boutique firm here in New York City, Philadelphia, and Jacksonville. Simply go to BeBullish.com. That's BeBullish.com. We want to wish everyone a happy holidays, happy new year. Stay tuned. We got more, more money coming your way. This is More Money with economist Steve Moore. Now, Steve Moore. Welcome back, folks. This is the More Money Show on WABC Talk Radio, the day before Christmas, a very holy day. I hope everyone is having a Wonderful holiday season. I hope everyone has a very, very Merry Christmas, including my two guests who are two of the smartest guys that I know about what's going on with politics, what's going on with technology. Uh, Steve Del Bianco is the president of NetChoice, uh, and Peter Roth uh, works with me at the Committee to Unleash Prosperity uh, and is also a columnist, I believe, at Newsweek. Is that right, Peter? Newsweek, yes. Newsweek. Well, thank you both. Newsweek.com, newsweek.com, newsweek.com. There you go. Okay, so let's get right down to it. I want to uh, start with you, Steve, as we kind of do this year in review. Let's talk a little bit. You're the expert on what is going on with big tech. Uh, A lot of my listeners are angry at big tech for some of their political biases against people who are conservative and free market oriented. Tell us, you know, what you think the big tech companies are doing right. What are they doing wrong? And how do they fend themselves off from uh, big government? Hey, Steve and Peter, Merry Christmas to you as well. And uh, I'm glad this is an end of year show, because as far as I was concerned in the tech industry, 2022 couldn't end soon enough. Yeah, terrible year. Why, why Why did their stocks? Why did their stocks do so poorly? Yeah, remember during the lockdown, the COVID lockdown for 2020, 21, mm-hmm. it was yep. the tech industry, the industry that, that I work for, that made it so that Americans could work from home, That's connect, true. do education yep. from home. They could do their shopping from home, order their meals from home, yep. stay educated, and get their information. So we were the darlings of, I think, the American and the global public during COVID. But yep. coming out of COVID, into, I think we would have gone into a Great Depression had it not been for uh, the tech industry. I know my wife would have been depressed if she couldn't shop <laughs> on Amazon. Yeah, right. I can tell you that. 
But coming out of uh, out of that experience, no one really knew how long it would last, and right. whether some of the change in habits that Americans had would would last beyond the lockdown. So look, Amazon expanded aggressively, Google expanded and hired. So did Meta. So the companies mm-hmm. themselves ramped up to mm-hmm. provide a greater level of service. And this is true of any industry that had an online capability. And we get to the end of the lockdown, and, well, wouldn't you know, we couldn't wait to get out of our homes and back in our cars and, and experiencing life in, in, in person. So right. a lot of the companies right. perhaps overhired and overexpanded. Amazon feels like they had too many distribution centers. So mm-hmm. I think that the profits of those companies, as well as the expense load, both were a signal to investors that maybe mm-hmm. these profits, profit growth would slow down, revenue growth would slow down. So that was a rational response to maybe trim back on your holdings in those key companies. And so 2023 is going to be better, do you think, for these companies, well, for the big five? For investors, I have to think it will be better. Um, mm-hmm. For the companies themselves and those of us that use their services, uh, this was a bizarre year in so many ways. Uh, think about this. Um, a Pew survey that's done every year asks Americans which organization or institution they respect the most. Year after year, Peter and Steve, it's the U.S. military that's number one. Mm, mm. And and wouldn't you know it, number two is Amazon.com. Americans truly appreciate a company that's revolutionized the way they shop. And it's enabled millions of small businesses to go on the Amazon marketplace and be able to sell just alongside anyone else in a variety of sizes. So big tech is big popular in America, but the three of us work inside the Beltway, and that is a different place entirely. We spent 2022 fighting mm-hmm. off Republicans who wanted big tech to allow more content online to moderate less, and we were confronted by Democrats who wanted big <laughs> tech to moderate even more and restrict right. what was said online. And those two forces had a way of canceling out inside the Beltway in Washington, D.C., but they didn't cancel each other out all around the country. So we had states, red states that enacted laws that would force Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube to carry content they don't want to carry. And my organization, NetChoice, took them to court. We sued Texas, we sued Florida, and we've just sued California over laws that they claim uh, can force social media to carry content, even though their users and advertisers don't want to carry it. Yeah, and then yeah. you were also a big you were you were also involved very well in the antitrust battles that we had. Right. If you'd like to cover that a little later. So Peter, uh, the big story, the other big story of uh, the tech industry, of course, this year has been Elon Musk and Twitter. Um, how do you assess that? Uh, I mean, it's just so interesting because you know uh, big tech is being attacked on the left and the right. Uh, the left seems to want to almost shut down Twitter now because they don't, they hate Elon Musk, but has this been a good thing for the country? Has it been a good thing for Twitter? And what, how do you assess this, uh, this um, transfer of power over to Elon Musk? I, I think ultimately it's a good thing. It may not seem like it right now. The, the, uh-huh. the progressives, the radicals are unhappy because they were using Twitter like it was their political asset. Right. And it isn't right. anymore because Elon Musk is committed to making it a platform where free speech reigns. The mm-hmm. most disturbing thing, though, and, and this ties back into, into why 2022, 
isn't that much better than 2021, even though the pandemic ended and the lockdowns ended. Is that in 2022, we found out that the FBI was using Twitter as an adjunct to um, suppress information that it was mm-hmm. important for Americans to know about COVID, about the risk from the vaccines, about Hunter Biden's business dealings, um, anything that reflected badly on the agenda of the lockdown proponents, mm-hmm. um, right. the vaccinators, the maskers, or the Biden political campaign. And, and that the steps that, that a lot of the steps that were being taken at Twitter were actually taken not at the direction of the FBI, but perhaps at the suggestion right. of the FBI. And that's really scary, especially so since I, people had been making that claim for, for 18 months and were routinely told, right. oh, you're just a conspiracist and a fantasist. <laughs> right. And it turns out to be true. So I, I couldn't agree more. And, I, you know, gentlemen, I'm, I'm more of a I'm kind of a libertarian when it comes to technology. When we started the, the technology, you know, the revolution in technology back in the mid 90s, I remember talking to Chris Cox, who wrote the original bills. And it, the idea was to really let tech almost like a wild west, you know, don't regulate big tech, don't don't try to uh, shut them down with lawsuits uh, and, and let them grow. And it was an incredible, I mean, it, this just propelled the technology revolution and propelled our economy for 25 years into incredible new heights and new products that are changing our life every day. But here's what, and Steve Del Bianco, I'd love your thoughts on this. You know, my feeling is like Twitter is a private company. It's privately owned. They can decide who they want on and who they want off, just like a club can do that. Uh, what I have problems with is what Peter is talking about. I shudder to think that the FBI is coming in and telling them what kind of content they can put on and off their uh, on their site, because I think that's the free speech issue is the government intervening. And I, I wonder what you think about that. Thanks, Steve. I think you and Peter have it exactly right. Um, Twitter is a member of ours, and I'm a huge fan of Elon Musk. And uh, as an investor, I wouldn't bet against him. When, when Twitter comes back to the markets, it'll, it'll come back stronger than ever. But uh, what Elon Musk showed us all is that, yep, Twitter is a private company. It's a platform that can make its own rules and change its rules whenever it wants. The same thing is true at YouTube, at Facebook. It's true of the the and, networks that we're let, broadcasting let just, on and the newspapers. Let me just intervene one quick thing, because this is so important. If you don't like it, don't use it, right? I mean, there's nobody puts a gun to your head and says you have to use Google or Twitter. Or, you know, there are, there are so many competitors. So I think you're making a really important point that no one is forcing people to use these products. If you want to use them, great. If you don't want to use them, there's many alternatives. Uh, I just sort of believe freedom of freedom to choose when it comes to these technology platforms. I quite agree. And uh, the restriction, we always call it free speech and free expression. But let's just be clear. The First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution says yeah. Congress shall make no law infringing on the freedom of speech. So wait a minute. So the First Amendment is not a freedom. It's a restriction, and it's a restriction on the government. government. So yeah. it says the government cannot tell Steve Moore what to say. You can't tell Peter Roth what he's not allowed to say, and it can't right. tell private companies or organizations what content they have to carry and what content they don't. Now, government can force you to take down illegal content, 
right. illegal content, like threats of physical harm. Um, there are mm-hmm. certain categories of obscenity that are right. illegal, but not a lot is illegal in America. Thanks to the uh-huh. First Amendment, we have a lot of content that is truly awful, but it's lawful. Pornography is awful, but lawful. Hate speech, anti-Semitic speech, um, abuse of pets, all these things are legal in America, but Facebook, Twitter, YouTube don't want them on their platform because it chases away users and advertisers. And if you chase the advertisers away, who's going to pay the bills? So, so I would just say to you that the First Amendment explicitly prohibits what the FBI was doing to Twitter, to Facebook, and to YouTube. It explicitly prohibits what those government officials in their official mm-hmm. capacity were doing when they called right. Facebook and Twitter right. and said, we're really worried about another Russian hoax here. We don't think you should allow circulation of the story of Hunter Biden's laptop. So uh, the tech industry would love if, if Americans would hold their government to be restricted by the First Amendment. And Congress may have to take the first step by enacting laws that say that a government employee, a federal of an FBI employee who abused her position to jawbone Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube, that person is going to lose her job. She's going to lose her pension. We need, we need to make the First Amendment mean something again and stop the government from jawboning social media. So I couldn't agree more. And, you know, I, I worked for 10 years at the Wall Street Journal editorial board. So people would make submissions all the time to us, you know, thousands of submissions people would want to get in the Wall Street Journal. And we would turn down about 95 percent of them. We weren't suppressing their free speech by saying, no, right, you know, right. sorry, we don't have room for you in, in our paper. Peter, we got uh, 45 seconds before the break. Uh, what do you think about this? It's exactly right. We have a free speech culture in America. Everybody is expecting that they're allowed to say what they want. And indeed, no one is saying that you can't. What they are saying is that you cannot necessarily transmit that information to other people by government edict or by government suggestion, soft policy. This is a real problem that I hope that the new Congress will investigate starting in January. That's Peter Roth. He is with uh, Newsweek.com and also a uh, writer for the Committee to Unleash Prosperity Hotline. Uh, And Steve Del Bianco from NetChoice will be right back in one minute to further this discussion. It's more money with leading economist Steve Moore. Now, here's your host, Steve Moore. Welcome back, folks. This is the More Money Show on WABC. I just wanted to say again, I hope everybody has a very wonderful holiday season. And I want to say thank you to all of our listeners throughout the year. You have helped so much make this show a success. Our ratings are fantastic. Thanks to John Katz-Tomides for giving me the opportunity every uh, Saturday afternoon to speak to you. I always say I learn so much from our listeners, which is why I love to Take your callers uh, in most weeks. Have a great Thanksgiving. I mean, thanks. Have a great Christmas, folks. And I will talk to you all in the new year. If you're suffering from ED, you're not alone. 60% of men over 60 have this problem. Help is out there. The professionals at Elevate Wellness can help you be the man you used to be. They've helped thousands of patients and have a 96% success rate. What are you waiting for? Call 973-354-2276. 973-354-2276. Your first visit is only $99. ElevateWellnessGroup.com. Help is out there. ElevateWellnessGroup.com. 